Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen from Danfoss Climate Solution. Thank you for listening in on this, the sixth podcast in a series we call Tour de Cooling, where we talk taking a trip through the different parts of a refrigeration system. Today we, that's our experts Jörg Saar and John Broughton and myself, are talking about condensing units, the handling, selection, installations, commissioning, etc., etc., etc. Basically all the things that is good to know when working with condensing units. Hi, Jörg, and hi, John. Thank you for joining today again. It's now been a few times that we have been talking uh, tour de cooling. And uh, today is about the condensing units. And I guess if, if, if I may put a word to the, 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 the condensing unit uh, concept, I think you could say it's, it's a condensed machine room placed anywhere convenient. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess that is a, a very good definition, Jens, because obviously in the condenser unit, we've got compressor, uh, condenser, receiver, associated controls, um, more than likely dryer sight glass, things like that. So yeah, everything you would find in a machine room um, for a fridge plant, you will find obviously in a, in a smaller dimension within a condenser unit. Agree. That's that's a good description. Yeah, you have really quite a lot of the parts of a refrigeration system in that unit. And that's a compact unit that you can put kind of where wherever you like. It should make sense where you put it so that you can get rid of the heat and that kind of stuff, of course. But yes, you put that where where it's convenient for you. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen Condensing units sitting inside uh, another room, uh, ne- the next room to a uh, coat room, for instance. Uh, yeah, and we're, I guess we've all seen them outside. Uh, I understand, John, that you have just seen one on the to- rooftop somewhere. Um, yes. But are there any other sort of what kind of consideration should you you we um, do when when we are placing a, a condensing unit sort of in in the environment? Mm, that's a good question. Um, my my first one would be to let the condensing unit breathe. It needs airflow. Um, without airflow across the condenser, um, yeah, it's going to struggle. We're not going to produce refrigeration and ultimately will probably harm the the compressor by doing so. Um, So it needs to breathe. It needs to be on a level surface. Um, In today's world, we've got to be aware of the built environment and noise requirement. Obviously, a condensed unit makes noise. We have a compressor in there. We have a fan and they generate noise. Um, So we have to be aware of the location um, of the unit. Um, so physical airborne noise, but also the transmission of noise through a building structure, for example, um, if it's mounted on a steel frame, 
um, you know, you have to be aware of things like that as well. So yeah, let it breathe um, is is my main comment. And then obviously the the physical location of it. Um, yeah, for for noise, and also things like uh, you know damage. Is it going to get damaged by if it was in a loading bay area in a factory, for example? Is there any bollards in place to stop the trucks? Uh, you know, reversing over the condensed unit, things like that. So damage protection is uh, yeah quite a important one. Yeah, agree. And then there is one more point, and we come to that later if if you like that the more we go to refrigerants like A2L, so the mildly flammables, or um, maybe even A3, you should have in mind that your pipe length should be as short as possible because that has an influence on your refrigerant charge. The longer that is, the more refrigerant you need. And then you should try to find a location where your pipe length can be as short as possible. Still having in mind all the stuff that John mentioned, let the condensing unit breathe. Put it somewhere where the noise is okay that it generates, have that in mind. And maybe a few examples regarding let the condensing unit breathe. I just saw one this weekend. In between two buildings, you had five centimeters on each side, on the side where the air comes in, five centimeters on the side where the air comes out. They've just, I don't know how they, they have put that in. They, they, they kind, of, kind of sliced it in and it was standing there in between the buildings. And I thought, I mean, how, right? <laughs> that's not gonna work. That's, that's something you should have in mind, as John said, let it breathe. It needs mm -hmm. some space around it. Yeah, yeah. How about height? Is that an issue? Well, uh, it in in relation to the evaporator, yes. <laughs> um, if you put it on the roof of a building, it's fine, right? If the evaporator is close by. In case you have an evaporator which is located a good deal above the condensing unit, then you might run into an issue. And the reason for that is that with every 10 meters in height, you lose one bar here and, and on, the, on the liquid line, and that kills your subcooling. So the higher you get above the condensing unit, the more you run into the problem that you might no longer have subcooling. You generate flash gas in the liquid line because you lose subcooling with height. And then you have, you have flash gas ahead of the expansion valve. That's the challenge. Down, you don't have that problem with losing subcooling. If your evaporator is 50 meters below the condensing unit, all is fine regarding subcooling. But now you need to talk to the oil that the oil still gets up these five, uh, 50 meters back to the condensing unit because that compressor wants to have its oil back. So yes, there are height limitations and you, you should have height in mind. If somebody asks now, well, what is the maximum? Uh, that depends on how the condensing unit is designed, how your pipework is designed and so on. So there is no general limit. Just have these points in mind. I see. Uh, and, and and when we're talking about uh, mounting, commissioning, et cetera, et cetera, um, 
Are there any other things that we should uh, consider apart from what we've already uh, said about the placement itself? Well, uh, um, yeah. sorry to jump in, but maybe still coming back to the breathing because I, I would like to stick on that for a moment and and just highlight a few points. John, you have seen a lot of units as well um, where where you see challenges and and issues um for example on on a factory or wherever a petrol station where you might have several condensing units what i've seen as well is that they have not been placed in parallel side to side but after each other kind of in series so the first unit takes the air pushes that through the condenser warms the air up and blows the warm air to the second unit where the air is taken in. That already gets warmer air, warms the air up even further, blows it to the third unit. Of course, that poor third unit gets a it gets an air which is far too warm. And, and that's a challenge. So don't put them after each other in an airflow direction. Put them put them in parallel regarding airflow. Stuff like that. Um, that's that's stuff you should have in mind. Or don't put it that the air is blown to a wall and starts to circle back to the inlet of the condenser. It can mm. breathe in that case, but um, it, it's using it's it's used air already. That's like you breathing into a bag of paper all the time, reusing your used air. Not as not the best way. Mm. 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 One. One other thing that uh, is worth mentioning, Jens, is uh, plant growth. Um, sometimes you might put a condensed unit in a location and there's nothing there. Maybe there's just grass, um, but you come to the spring and the summer and, you know, everything grows. Um, and I sometimes when I'm on site play a game called hunt the condensing unit, because sometimes you can't physically see the condensed unit for, you know, plant growth, bushes, etc. Um, so think about that when you're placing a, a, a condenser. Um, there's a, um, a, a a pub near where I live, and there's a house condensing unit in a very old style, what I call doghouse style uh, housing over the condensing unit. And in the summer, you can't actually see the condensing unit. It is literally covered uh, in, in plant growth. And how that still works, I have no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> But yeah, what, the hell, as long as it keeps the, the pint cold, right, then we're happy. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. True. Yeah. So, sometimes you see units which are really close to the ground, which might be okay if you don't have too many plants around that. But if you might have leaves collecting somewhere and you have it extremely close to the ground, then the leaves are sucked up and they 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 really stick to the to the inlet side of the condenser to the air inlet side <clears> of the condenser and they might cover the lower the lower third of of the air inlet and that of course reduces a lot of of your airflow so make sure that that you have enough distance from the ground so that leaves are not going to be be sucked up by the airstream or any other dirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Snow is also a consideration snow, yeah. in okay. some parts of the world. 
Uh, yeah, I've seen that where they actually build a snow canopy over the area where the condensed units are. Uh, to and, I, and I'm talking Northern Europe, um, that part of the world, um, and also Russia, where there's been some, yeah, huge amounts of snow. Mm. So that's uh, that's worth remembering. Yeah, and 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 yeah, but like you say, vegetation grows. Mm-hmm. That's I guess is is a, a mantra that you should remember. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's an interesting one no question about that and sometimes there is the idea to hide a condensing unit so you don't see it which is understandable right mm-hmm. sometimes there is an aesthetic point where you see where you say okay let's put the condensing unit somewhere where you don't see it that's all fine and then you put it behind whatever kind of plants which is okay if you have enough distance again um, but if you put it right be, right behind uh, a line of bushes, well, then uh, you might have an airflow challenge again. Yes, that that comes back to one of your your uh, topics, your before when you said about recirculating the air. I've seen quite often in locations where they they build a structure, whether it's a wooden paneling or something right in front of the condensing unit to, to hide it. But as you say, then it will just re- recirculate the air mm. and the air on the condenser will get hotter and hotter mm. and uh, you know have a detrimental effect on the operation of the compressor. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, that, that of course gets more challenging nowadays when we go to A to L refrigerants where we want to limit uh, limit, but reduce the the amount of charge as much as possible. Then you might think need to think a bit more because you no longer want to have a 20 meter liquid line because that that consumes quite a lot of charge. So you want to make that shorter, and you need to find a location where you might have only three meters instead of 20 meters liquid line. Yeah. So yeah. All, all these things are are coming in. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, I have a few other questions, sort of, uh, I mean, let's let's just assume for a second that we have placed this condensing unit. But before that, are there any criteria for selecting a certain type of com- uh, condensing unit? I mean, uh, seen with a, yeah, the usual Danfoss uh, perspective, we have a slim pack, we have the ICO2, we have an inverter type, we have a, even a trio trio uh, type. We have, um, yeah, quite a few different uh, types, open, closed, etc., uh, etc. Et but, I mean, obviously, we need to take capacity, temperature range, and refrigerant into consideration. But are there any other uh say criteria to uh, make uh, the best selection of a condensing unit mm. that's a that's a, a quite quite a big topic there Jens, i guess um I, I think some of it will come down to the application so for example if it's a holding fridge um or if it was uh let's say blast freeze blast chill uh if it was blast freeze blast chill then you'd need capacity control so maybe a variable speed compressor on there maybe a trio so you can have stages of compressor things like that um 
also depending on the 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 compressor technology, whether it's scroll, whether it's resip, again, depending on the application. Um, uh, things like that. Um, the control method, obviously, as you said, we've got we've got slim, we've got plus, we've got the inverter. Um, depending what they actually want out of the installation, do they want any remote monitoring? Do they want communication with the unit? Um, topics such as that obviously need to be taken into consideration as well. Um, and again, size, I, I think one of the misnomers is when you say a condensing unit, sometimes people think of this small uh, condensed unit with a small black compressor on, but you know, you can have 20, 20 kilowatt, 30 kilowatt condensed units, uh, you know, with quite big compressors inside as well. So uh, it sort of merges between, is it a pack or is it a condensing unit? There's that sort of gray area, I think. Um, and a condenser unit, obviously, as we said, is you know a compressor condenser and all the controls associated with it in in a box, basically. Um, but you can get some fairly large condenser units these days. And yeah. when when you mention in a box, um, maybe that's that's one very general point to start with. There are these condensing units which have a housing, a weatherproof housing. Um, called housed condensing units or whatever. Um, some people call them dressed because um, they have everything inside and have that housing around. And then there are the ones without a housing, sometimes called bare, naked, whatever, um, depends. So those with and those without housing. The ones with housing, you can kind of put everywhere because you can, then, you can put them outside, you can use them indoors as well, you can put them below a roof or not, it doesn't matter, right? The housing is made to be outdoors. The ones without a housing, you need to pay attention where to put them. If you put them somewhere where rain comes on these units, a lot of snow, you might, you might get rain into electrical parts because they are not protected. They are made to be in an area where they where they don't see rain. So that's that's probably the first the first start. And what we can see, at least in my opinion, John, let me know whether you have a different opinion. But what we can see is that more and more of these units with housing are used because it is pretty convenient. You put them wherever you like. You have you have the housing around it. You don't need to build your own housing. Everything is there already. Yeah, I mean, I, I can remember many years ago, you'd go to a food factory, for example, and there would be a machine room, as it was called. And within the machine room, there might be, you know, six or seven um, bare frame condensing units obviously taking air in from the outside but everything was in one room um quite a cozy place to be in uh, you know the middle of winter um but that also kept a lot of the the noise within the building and not outside um because sometimes the food factories were in um you know difficult locations surrounded by housing estates or or whatever um so yeah that that's that's a good point Jörg, that it depends very much on the 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 box, if you like, of the condensed unit and, and where it can be placed as well. Yeah. I mean, of course, if you if you would build, let's say, a cabinet, a self-contained cabinet um somewhere, and you want to put a small condensing unit into that cabinet, 
which which is sometimes done. You have a small condensing unit, you put that into that cabinet, then it's convenient to have one without a housing because you, you save space and you have that in the cabinet anyway. So you have your housing, the cabinet is your housing. It, it really depends on what is it, what you want to build. But if you put a condensing unit to a cold room, to, to a blast freezer somewhere, to a petrol station, the housed ones are getting more and more. That's that's just how it is. Mm, yeah, agree. It's that plug and play, uh, and I, I don't like the term plug and play, but it's a, it's a term that we uh, live with, I guess. Is that uh, you know you, you literally have everything within that 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 box that house unit. You connect your your two pipes, your wire, um, and you commission it, and it you know it it functions. You don't need to to uh, to worry. Uh, if it was a, a a bare frame unit, there's generally no electrical um, control scheme on that. There's just the electrics for starting the compression, starting the fan. Um, you know, whereas if it's a housed unit, everything is in there to to make the system work as a for, from a control scheme point of view. Yeah, see, so so commissioning well yeah that you you just said it john uh, the commissioning itself actually depends quite a, a lot on 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 the type of 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 condensing unit um but apart from say the control part of it are there any other things that uh, we need to think of when when commissioning i mean obviously when it's uh, electronically controlled then there's probably some settings that we need to do yeah um, I, I sort of generally say this all the time is that, you know, if something comes with a manual, please read the manual. That's what it's there for, uh, particularly when things are electronic, because and I mentioned that phrase a minute ago, plug and play. Um, I, I still have, you know, concerns within the industry that um, something comes with an electronic controller. And I, I think the general feeling is, well, it's programmed up, it's ready to go. I just turn it on. Um, which is generally not the case. You need to do something to the electronic controller to put some, uh, you know, parameters in it that actually make sense for your application. Um, so yeah, read the manual uh, and, and make sure that you know exactly what that controller is doing. You know, even down to things like the LP switch or HP switch, um, we set them in the factory to a, a rough range, um, but they need to be set for that particular application. Um, you know, we can't, we, there, there, there isn't one setting that, you know, suits all application. Um, and so we can't do that in the factory. That needs to be done on site during the commissioning process. What about a pre-charge? Yeah, all, all condensed units will, will come with a, a, a dry nitrogen charge, basically to keep moisture out. And it's usually round about a bar, maybe a couple of bar on the larger units. Um, yeah. And if you are commissioning a unit and, uh, sorry, when you're installing a unit and you either cut the pipes or you take the, the bungs out or whatever, if there isn't a, a whoosh of nitrogen in there, that's a sort of red flag to say mm, something's not quite right. So always make sure that when you are uh, installing the unit and you either take the, the rubber bungs out or you, you physically cut the pipes, depending how it's been manufactured, um, and you don't get that that wash of uh, pressure. Uh, yeah, that's a red flag to say something is wrong. 
And um, what's pretty important as well, that pre-charge is not meant to stay in the unit, right? <laughs> so it's really there to make sure that there is no humidity getting into the unit during transport. That's why there is there is a pressure which is higher than ambient pressure so that there is nothing getting into the unit. And as John said, as an indication whether the unit is still tight when you get it. So when there is no pressure on the unit anymore, then uh, there might be a, something that happened during transportation. And of course, you have to evacuate um, that that nitrogen out of the unit when you have built your system. So it's not meant to, to stay in and just charge the refrigerant. You have to get that stuff out, of course. Very good point. Very mm. good point. Yeah, perfect. Uh, now, again, sort of thinking about the, the procedures and stuff like that. Now we have chosen the right one. We have had it installed. We placed it correctly. Uh, we have at least started the commissioning or we have ended the commissioning, but then maintenance, service, readjustments, whatever, anything there we should uh, sort of think about, talk about? Well, of course, the, the normal stuff. So when you when you switch the unit on, it runs, just stay there for more than 20 seconds and and check whether everything works fine have a look at your expansion device when your let's say code room has come down to your desired temperature is your superheat still okay that kind of stuff that does mm -hmm. not necessarily have something to do with the condensing unit itself direct but that's that's the good way to work right that's that's the good practice um, instead of going away, let it come down to its desired temperature and then check whether it works. Check whether it cuts in and out in, in the right way. That, that kind of stuff, whether there is any strange sound when it comes, comes down to operational level. Of course, sound changes a bit when you start at a high suction pressure, a high temperature in your code room when that one is still warm and then it goes down, let's say to a freezer cold room, you hear a little bit of a change of, of sound because your pressure in the suction line gets lower. Your compressor has a different operating sound when it comes down to, to operating point. But just to make sure everything runs fine, you should really stay there until the unit has done one cut off by itself at least. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a very old adage, Jens, that I've used over the years, and it's used your 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 senses, you know, your your sight, your hearing, your touch, um, and and your smell um, on site. That was the way that I was I was taught many years ago was to just use your senses and make sure that does as Jörg said, does everything sound right? Does everything feel right? Is there any vibration there? Um, you know, check your amperage drawn on your motors. Check the airflow, particularly when you're on three phase. Um, you know, if you've got fans on an evaporator that are running three phase, make sure the air is going the right way, okay. uh, condenser airflow, all those sort of things. Um, yeah, and as Jörg said, make sure it goes through a cycle, uh, pulls down to temperature, cuts out, does a defrost, cuts back in. Um, make sure all, you know, the defrost termination temperatures and things like that, the fan delays are correct. 
Um, don't assume, as I said before, that it's that plug and play. Everything is done for me. Um, you know, we we still we should still commission a system properly. So all that has not so much to do with the condensing gun it, it, itself. It's more about the system itself, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. You, <clears throat> you asked about maintenance. Of course, there are specific rules and regulations. They might be different depending on where you are. Um, there might be local or or national rules, how often you have to, to maintain a unit, how often you have to do a leak check, depending on the size, the refrigerant charge and so on. Yeah, that's something you need to do. And as a contractor, it might be a really good idea to, to have that contract with your end customer to check the unit on a regular base to make sure it really keeps running for a long period of time and your customer is happy so that you clean the condenser maybe or check whether it needs to be cleaned all that kind of stuff yeah definitely there's there's always one topic that gets asked and oil to me is the lifeblood of the compressor and generally we install we commission um yeah everything's fine and then you know you don't see the system for a year maybe um, as Jog said regarding, you know, maintenance, oil level, personally, and I, I know we live in a commercial world and it's not always possible to return to site a couple of days later just to check the oil level. But once the system has settled down, once we've started to get oil around the system, um, it's a really good idea just to come back and, and check the oil level. I know that's not possible in you know, the, the real world unless the site is local to where the company, the uh, commissioning company is based. But you know, we 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 need oil in that crown case to look after the compressor. Yeah, great. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? Add to our podcast here. Um, I think I have in mind right now. No, I think I've I've uh, asked all my mm -hmm. down questions. I think so. Um, so thank you very much, Jörg and John, uh, for this other podcasts uh, we've done a few now and uh, let's see what the next podcast brings mm -hmm. thank you so much no thank you thanks. and thank you for listening in on this podcast you will meet Jörg Saar and Jen Broughton in the coming episodes of Two with Cooling you're very welcome to post your questions in the social medias where you find Danfoss typically LinkedIn Facebook or Instagram Thank you so much and remember to keep your cool even when things run hot.